Uh, John chapter 8, I uh, will invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter number 8. <coughs> John chapter 8, we're finally there. Could I have preached a lot more out of John chapter 7? Sure could. We've been walking through the book of John, uh, and uh, we've been doing that on Sunday mornings. And I, there's so much more in John chapter 7, uh, but I believe that it was time for us to move on to John chapter 8. And so we're there now. The Bible says, I like the first word of this text. Y'all like it? Jesus, that's a good word, isn't it? Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again unto, into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, they, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Would you help us pray and you can be seated We'll bring the message from God's eternal word. Father, we do love you because you first loved us. And we're so thankful uh, for your love toward us that, uh, co that you commended toward us. You showed us by sending yourself and, and coming and dying on the cross for our sin and, and, and paying the price for our sin, not just in part, but the whole. And I'm thankful for that this morning. Thankful that we are able to be in the, word, uh, in the house of God and singing the songs of God with the people of God. And now we've been able to open the Word of God and been able to read it out loud. And God, I pray you'd bless the reading of your Word. I pray you'd help me preach the Word this morning with power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. If there be anyone in our midst this morning that is lost and undone, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. If there's anybody backslidden, I pray they'd get right with you today if there's anybody downtrodden or discouraged I pray you'd encourage them today I pray today that you would do only that which you could all that you can do and that you would be the only one that would get the glory and the honor for it in Jesus wonderful name I pray amen and amen you may be seated thank you for standing for the word of God uh, there is a continuation, a continual flow uh, from chapter number 7 to chapter number 8. We're still in the same time frame. On chapter number 7, verse 53, the Bible said, And every man went unto his 
own house. And then in verse number 2, the Bible said, And early in the morning he came again. And so we're really talking about the next day from chapter number 7. And what was going on in chapter 7 was they were at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And Jesus had entered into the feast and he had began to teach. And, and these uh, scribes, these Pharisees, these Jewish leaders had interrupted his teaching uh, to question him about who he really is. And, and he began to teach them and to preach to them who he really was. And all that did was make that religious crowd more mad and more angry and more upset. And, and they were wanting to kill him before, but now they really want to kill him. And they want him dead. I mean graveyard dead. Deader than dead. They don't want him to say another word. They want to put him to death. And the Bible tells us that they even sent the temple police out to arrest him, but they could not restrain him. Not because Jesus fought against them. Not because he was a physically stronger than them, but it was not the divine time for Jesus to go to the cross. Six months from now, Jesus is going to go to the cross. Why? Because God's got a timetable. God knows exactly when everything is supposed to take place and it wasn't time yet. And so that's where we're at in chapter number 7. We enter into chapter number 8 and these men are still angry. They are still mad. They still want him dead. Why do they want him dead? Why are they so mad? Because Jesus has claimed that he is God. He has not been, he not beat around the bush about it. He's not said it in some kind of symbolic language. He has said, I am the Father in one. Uh, when you see me, you see the Father. He has come out and said, listen, I am the Son of God. I am God the Son. I am deity. I'm divine. I'm not like any other man. I do have the power to forgive sin. I do have the power to raise people up. Uh, he is God. He made no bones about who he was, and they didn't like it. And I do believe this. I believe they understood fully what he was saying. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew he was God. And they knew he was the Messiah. And they willfully rejected the truth about who he was. And so uh, here we are. And I believe in chapter number 8, we find a couple of characters. And I'm not going to dwell here, but just give you a couple of char our, our characters in this story. And, and may, may I might just say this. And, I don't think I have to say it every time, but I want to remind you when I say characters and story, I don't mean a fairy tale. Uh, this is not a fictional book. Uh, this is a real account. Uh, this really did happen. Uh, and so when I say characters, don't think I'm talking about a fictional story. This really did happen. But the characters in this story, we see the scribes, if you will. And they're the Pharisees. We're going to talk more about them in just a moment. We find the sinner. We find this woman who is brought to the Lord and uh, caught in sin. But thank God we find the Savior. Amen. Uh, that's the main character of the story anyhow is the Savior and we're going to get there in just a minute but in an attempt to catch Jesus these Jewish leaders these scribes they drag a woman into the temple and disrupt Jesus' teaching now I don't know how Jesus handled it but I can't stand being disrupted or distracted while preaching and teaching but I can't imagine what this kind of distraction would have been I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that you've got to think this woman was probably not coming willfully uh, she is probably kicking and screaming I mean they were dragging her in uh, there's no telling what they were calling her the names they were saying to her uh, the things they were saying to her uh, they were interrupting what Jesus was going on and Jesus uh, is standing there teaching and he's disrupted by them dragging this woman and they lay her basically at the feet of Jesus and they've got an accusation they say she has been caught in the act of adultery 
She's been caught in the act of adultery. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. And they ask him, what should we do about it? Uh, what should we? Now listen, this is publicly. This is out in the open. They didn't pull Jesus to the side and say, hey, listen, we've caught this woman in the act of adultery. What do you think? This is public. Everybody's around. And remember, we're in the Feast of the Tabernacles. There's still a bunch of Jews in Jerusalem. There's a big crowd. And no doubt, there's a big crowd listening to Jesus that day. And so in the midst of this big old crowd, in the midst is what the Bible said in verse number 3 at the very end. In the midst, in the middle of all this crowd, they're publicly shaming this woman and asking Jesus, what should we do about it? Now Moses' law, which of course is God's law, right? It's not Moses' law. It's God's law. Moses just pinned it down. Moses' law teaches that a person taken in the sin of adultery was to be stoned. You can write this down in your notes. You can go back and look at if you want to. But Leviticus 20 and verse 10 said, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death, is what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 22 says, If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. And so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. And so God had a law in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant that this, this, this adulterer and adulteress, both of them, I'll come back to that in just a minute, both of them are to be stoned. They are to be killed and put out of the country. However, the law of Rome, they were citizens of Rome. They were part of the Roman government. They were underneath the authority of the Roman government. The law of Rome forbade Jews to, to exercise capital punishment. The Jews had no right to put anyone to death. Remember, that's why they had to get Pilate's permission to kill Jesus. They could not kill him. They could not take his life. They could not exercise capital punishment. They had no right under, under the Roman law. So here's what these religious men are trying to do. They are trying to put Jesus in a dilemma. He, they wanted to see, is he going to disregard the law of Moses, which is the law of God? Or is he going to rebel against the law of Rome? Rome. Either choice could be disastrous for his life and his ministry. So, so what is he going to do about it? What, what is Jesus going to do? What shall we do? What sayest thou? And I want to look at a few things this morning, if God be my helper, out of this text. Just a few things in this story, in this account, uh, that I believe can help us if we'll just listen. Number one, we see the accusation. Look at verse 4. The Bible said they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now they do not say, listen what they do not say. They do not say we heard she was committing adultery. They did not say we, we assume she is committing adultery or, or, or we're pretty sure. No, they say we have caught her or somebody's caught her in the very act of adultery. This was not hearsay. This woman was guilty. But they come dragging this woman and they took her. Somehow they found her or somebody else had found her and they report her and they set her in the midst of the congregation. Now, it takes two to commit adultery. I'm not doing a biology uh, lesson today uh, and for the sake of our little hearers, I hope you can follow along with me. But it takes two to commit adultery. So I say amen right there. But 
And the, and the law said both of them ought to be stoned. I read to you Leviticus 20 and verse 10. It said both of them. And Deuteronomy 22 and 2, 22 I said both of them. The adulterer and the adulteress. Both of them ought to have been arrested. Both of them ought to have been brought in the midst of this crowd. But they do not bring the man. Why? Because of their motive behind what they're doing. They don't bring it. Some would say maybe it was because they were involved in it. I don't know. But I do know, I do know one thing. This is what I do know. They didn't bring the man because their motive behind why they even brought the woman in the first place. You say, how do you know so sure? Because the Bible tells me. Look what the Bible says in verse 6. This they said, tempting him. These men don't care about justice. These men don't care about holiness. They're not upset about adultery. The, the Bible makes it clear what their motive is. They did this to tempt Jesus. They're just there to get Jesus, trap him and to get him and see if we can arrest him for something, hey, either treason against the law of Moses or treason against the law of Rome. One way or another, we got him here. We're not interested in accusing this woman. They're interested in accusing Jesus. Look at verse 6 again. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. The accusation here is not about this woman and sin in Israel or sin in the camp or, or being pure and holy and handling things right, having justice served up for sin against the community and against the church and against even the country. No, no. They were looking to accuse Jesus. But now let me just say this by way of interjection, not introduction, but interjection here. Adultery is a sin. All right? Adultery is a sin. It is still a sin. The world has looked down on that and said, no, it's not a sin. And watch this. The church, the quote unquote church, has even made this, uh, gotten lax on this particular sin. Uh, but Jesus was not lax. He was not light. He was not cavalier about the sin of adultery. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 28 that who Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I take this matter, this sin of adultery, I take it seriously, and it's so much so uh, it goes beyond physicality, it goes beyond physical touch, uh, and it goes beyond the lust of your heart uh, and the lust of your mind uh, and the lust of your eyes. Uh, hey, listen, I'll say this uh, that deals uh, with what some may even in the congregation this morning are watching some you need to get your filth that filth out of your house you need to get that filth off the television screen you need to get that filth off your computer screen or your phone screen or your tablet screen and get that junk and put away that evil and that foulness from out from front of your face amen Amen. Adultery is still a sin. Hey, and looking on another person that's not your spouse is still adultery. Hey, listen, and touching somebody that's not your spouse is still adultery. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, I catch one of you jack legs rubbing on my wife. I promise you I will not be spiritual in how I handle it. Amen. Hey, listen, and you say, I'll take you out. I've got some equalizers, buddy. I promise you I don't take that lightly because God doesn't take it. Amen. Shake her hand, but don't be trying to hug up on my wife. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't be rubbing my wife's back. Amen. Don't men, don't you be texting my wife saying, How you doing? Amen. 
Hey, listen. Hey, listen. There's some of you. Hey, I'm not saying there's some. I'm not accusing. I'm not accusing anybody. Hey, but listen. I'm telling you, it goes on more than we think it goes on. Hey, and I'm telling you, this matter of pornography in our churches is ruining the church and it's ruining our country. There's men and women that are looking at things they ought not be looking at. Hey, and listen, listen, you're not strong enough to handle that kind of stuff. And listen, some of you in this room, I told you it's going to get muddy before it gets sweet. I promise you, hang in there. It's going to get sweet in just a minute. Hey, but listen to me. You think maybe it's a serious issue in our society and even some may be wrapped up in it this morning and you may think it's not affecting me. But the King James Bible said in Proverbs, chapter number 6 and verse 27, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? The answer that's no, 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 no. You can't handle fire in your bosom and not keep burned. Hey, and my friend, listen to me. I'm looking on a woman, and that's not your wife is seeing. And touching a woman, that's not your wife is seeing. Hey, and listen, laying with a woman is not your wife is seeing. And that goes for the ladies, with the men as well. And my friend, somebody's got to say something about it in 2023. Because uh, adultery is still sin. And Jesus didn't take it lightly. By the way, Jesus said this after he went on in Matthew 5 and 28. When he said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Hey, let me just say this a little bit. We've got a lot of unmarried people here, and some of our unmarried people ain't here up this morning, but listen to this. For the, the, I guess God won't see all that are here. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When you're lusting after somebody that's not your spouse and you've not married them yet, you've already committed adultery on the one that's going to be your spouse. Amen. Yeah, I believe that. Hey, listen, you've already committed adultery and fornication against your spouse that you ain't even met yet. I'm thankful. I had a football coach tell me that. I know, unless I'm not bad talking, but I, it wasn't my pastor and my youth pastor. I'm thinking I had a football coach. Thank God for Julian Kaufman. I don't know where he's at today. Don't know what he's doing, but my strength and conditioning coach would meet with us on Wednesday mornings at 7.30 in the morning, and he'd take a King James Bible and teach us about the Proverb 5 woman and the Proverb 7 woman and say, stay away, boys, because you mess with another girl that ain't your wife. You mess with another girl that's not your spouse. You mess with and that's adultery in your heart and God has a great judgment for that kind of stuff thank God I had a football coach tell me that hey but guess what guess what I wish my pastor would have I wish my youth pastor would have so guess what my, your pastor's doing it this morning amen your pastor's waving a warning hey and listen can you get right yes 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 you can get right uh, but you're going to have to get rid of that junk out of your life and so here's what he said after he said that he said, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Matter of fact, let me just back up and just say, somebody's bothered about that touching business. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. So if, it ain't, if, it ain't, if it's good for you not to touch them, then touching them's bad. That's simple logic. I'd have to get a Greek lexicon to figure that out. I'd have to read a commentary to figure that out. That is simple. If it's good to not touch a woman that's not your wife, then it's bad to touch a woman that's not your wife. Amen, amen, amen. A promise ring ain't a wedding ring. An engagement ring ain't a wedding ring. Oh, she's the boy and I'm going to marry. Then marry her, then you can touch her. Amen. It's Sunday morning, I know. I'm... <laughs> Miss Johnny, I'm so glad to have you. But this is Sunday morning, and this is just Bible preaching, okay? Hey, listen, this is Bible preaching. That somebody needs to sound the warning again. Wonder why we're in the mess we're in. 
when we're in the sexual debauchery that we're in in our country and in our churches. Why well, we've got men behind the pulpit that ought not be behind the pulpit and churches won't say nothing about it because somebody has got to stand up and blow the trumpet. They're still sin. It's ruining our country. It's ruining our families. It's ruining the church. Amen, friend. And you don't have to like this, but you don't have to take it up with me. You have to take it up with God. Amen. You won't have to take it up with me. I didn't write this book. I just believe it. And listen, God said we ought to keep ourselves pure. We ought to keep ourselves holy. And it's called holy matrimony. Amen. And so what he said, here's what he said. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Watch this. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Here's what he's saying. It'd be better for you to go limping into heaven than to go skipping into hell. And listen, I understand uh, that that sin is not going to send you to hell. Uh, But my friend, there's many of them, the reason they're so wrapped up in it and can't get out of it is because they ain't never been saved. They ain't never been born again. They don't have the Spirit of God on the inside. Oh, my friend, I understand you can fall. I'm not saying you can't fall. I'm not saying you won't sin when you after you get saved, but I am saying that if you, if you can live in that mess and dwell in that mess and continue in that mess, and there's something missing in your life. Amen. Amen. And so, what's happened? Here's what's happened in America. We've gone from authority to relativism. See, we pick and choose our morals like from a cafeteria line. Well, I won't have that. Don't steal. Don't steal. Uh, but, you know, you know, that other stuff. That's all. Or don't lie to me, but that other stuff. And so we just pick and choose. And so what happens is we move from truth to pragmatism. Whatever just makes us feel right or whatever works. And just because it works don't mean it's right. Amen. Amen. Listen, I have them tell me all the time, well, preacher, you know, my situation is different and, and it worked out for us okay. Wonderful, great. That's the exception. The rule is still the rule. Amen. Like I still believe that a saved person ought to marry a saved person. Amen. That's right. I believe your doctrine ought to be right between before you get married. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, the only time me and my wife, seriously, I started wondering about whether we were supposed to get married or not in our engagement is because doctrine wasn't right. Hey, listen, thank God the Word of God fixes that. Amen. Word of God will fix doctrine. Amen. Thank God for that. But listen, I wasn't marrying somebody who don't believe right about salvation. And listen, I, hey, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and listen, if I was a parent, I would not give blessing to my child wanting to marry somebody who don't believe right about salvation. Amen. Hey, listen, I believe it all. Hey, a believer is supposed to be with a believer. Hey, and right is right. Amen and amen. Now watch this. Watch this now. Watch it now. Some of y'all didn't marry a saved person. And they've gotten saved since then. And it's working out well. Hallelujah. But the rule's still the rule. Are you listening? My wife got saved after we got married. So is it okay for y'all boys to go run and find you a lost girl just because she's pretty and she looks spiritual? No. My wife was pretty and she still is by the way and she acted spiritual and she said all the right stuff and she did all the right stuff. Hey, but what she's lost. Hey, and listen, if I'd have known she was lost, I wouldn't have married her. Are you listening? You say, you're going to say that the day before your wedding? I mean, anniversary? Oh, yes. And she knows it. And you know what? Because that's what we're going to teach our children. Why? Because that's Bible. That's Bible. That unequal yoke, friend. That unequal, that's the greatest yoke you'll ever have is marriage. 
The greatest yoke you'll ever have in your life, young men, is marriage. And if you don't get right with God before you get married, it'll be hard after you get married, especially if you marry a lost girl. Amen. Girls, you, you, I, listen, you marry a lost boy, you marry a lost boy, it, I, I'm not saying it can't happen, but chances are, percentages-wise, it won't happen. You won't be in church, your kids will go to hell because you married a lost person. Chances are, I'm not saying it can't work, that's an exception, but the rule is still the rule. Are you listening now? Are you listening? Listen, somebody's got to say something about it. We've got too many young people in this building and in our church. God has put in our care. Somebody's got to sound the horn, alarm bell. Hey, there is a ditch and you'll fall into it and it'll be destructive for your life. And then somebody's got to warn the married folk in here. Married folk in here. You better protect your marriage. At all costs, protect your marriage. I mean, if it means giving up everything else, protect that marriage. I know a man right now. I know a man right now. And, and listen, everybody's talking bad about him because he stepped down from the ministry because his wife, something wasn't right with his marriage. His wife, there was some things going on. And, he wanted, and you know what he did? He stepped down from a large ministry to go make sure he could protect that marriage. I say amen to that. A lot of them's talking bad about him. But I say thank God for it. Amen. Hey, because listen to me. I'm not being another. But y'all can get another pastor. Amen. I can get another church, but if I'm right, I can't get another wife. Amen now. Listen to me now. I don't get my kids back. I don't get another shot with them. I got one shot with them. I got one shot with each individual kid of mine. And I get one shot with all three of them individually. Hey, listen to me. I'm not being the smart out here, but they're worth more than here. Oh, my. Oh, my. We got to protect. Here's what's happened. We've moved from truth to what works is right. Religion is supposed to produce health and wealth and happiness. And it's all man-centered. Humanism is what it is. And so what has happened is we've, we've gone from reason to feeling. How do you feel? Most people leave a church and this is what they'll say. You ask them and they know the only good answer we're going to accept. They'll say, well, I'm just not getting fed anymore. And what they mean is I just don't feel like, you know, it don't make me all want to do a boogie. You know, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel it. I don't feel the spirit in here. Maybe because you ain't got the spirit. I don't know. Amen. Here's here's, here's the number one priority in America. Feel good. Just feel good. Not be holy. We've gone from convictions to opinions. Well, I just don't see it that way. That's great, but the Bible says it. We just believe it. (laughs) Listen, I just don't. So here's the thing. Few believe anything anymore except their right to their own happiness. As long as they're happy and not bother my happiness, everything's fine. No, 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 no. That's not right. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Hey, listen, what has happened? We have been systematically seduced by Hollywood and big, big technology and big media has systematically seduced us into a place where the church is less effective now than it's ever been because the church acts just like the world. Now, the services are different. Right? You don't go nowhere having services like this in the world, but their walk is the same. And adultery is just, well, you know, if they're happy, that made them happy. I just want you to understand, before we get on, the church and the world may minimize the sin of adultery, but God has not. Just a few things, and I've got to hurry. But adultery is the sin against yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 
Adultery is a sin against yourself. Watch this. Adultery is a sin against the home. The Bible teaches us that adultery is a sin against the home and there are lives of innocent children are being torn apart and shame is brought on the home because of adultery. Adultery is a sin against the church. The Bible teaches us in Romans that we are members of one another. We're in this thing together. We are the temple of, of God. And if any man defile the temple of God, him will God destroy. Here's what we say. If you're an adulterer or an adulteress, my friend, listen, a and a member of a church, you are doing great damage, damage to the body of Christ. But worse than all of that, adultery is a sin against the Lord. David said to God, David committed adultery, didn't he? Everybody wants to bring him up and say, one man told me, because of my stance about preaching and stuff, he'll say, you wouldn't even preach David. I said, you're right. David wasn't a preacher. David was a singer and a king. So stop trying to compare the two. Amen. Watch this. David messed up, but he got right. But here's how he got right. He said to God, after he sinned in the door, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He said, God, this is, this is, this is broke fellowship me and you. See, that's the thing. We don't take that so serious no more. We are, and listen, we ought, to be, we ought to be right with one another. But we fail to get right with God. And this thing about adultery, this is a sin against God. It's a sin against the home. It's a sin against the church. Here's what adultery is. It's a, it's a contempt and a disrespect for Almighty God. The Bible says marriage is, is honorable and the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers, God will judge. Now, here's what we have here. I told you it's going to get muddy. It's about to get better. Y'all ready? Y'all okay? Everybody all right? I see the accusation. And this sin this woman commits is grievous. But these people were not looking for justice. When they brought her in, they didn't care about this woman. They didn't care about her. They're not concerned about her purity. They're not, they're not even concerned about the nation's purity. In Deuteronomy 22, when it says, get them out of Israel, that's to purify the nation. They're not care, they don't care about that. Listen, they come, uh, they come uh, dragging her in. It didn't matter. She does not matter at all. She's not important. She's nothing. She's just a pawn in their game. Here's the game. Here's the game they're playing. Get Jesus. Catch Jesus. Discredit Jesus. This is the get Jesus committee. They're trying to get him. So we see the accusation. Number two, we see the confrontation. This will be quick. The confrontation. Verse number six. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. Watch this. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, in, in, instead of, of examining this woman, the accused in the story, he starts examining the accusers. He examines these religious leaders. Now, now the Bible only records that he stooped down and he wrote in the dirt with his finger. What did he write? I don't know. You don't either. None of us know. And somebody said, well, when we get to heaven, we'll find out if you care <laughs> when you get there. You know why we don't know? Because God doesn't tell us what he wrote. And I could preach a whole message on love letters in the sand. And what did he write in the sand? That'd be really great, but we don't know. Somebody said he wrote, he, he wrote the first line of amazing grace in the sand. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I, I, I'm going to make an assumption. This is Allenology. Okay. I assume that he wrote something that brought them under serious conviction. And here, here's why. The Bible said that they were convicted by their own conscience in verse number 9. 
I just, I just believe, and I don't know what it was, but something he wrote in that sand, something he wrote in that dirt, something he wrote with his finger brought conviction. And there's no time to preach this message, but that's only the third time we find God writing with a finger. And every time he's bringing judgment. But nonetheless, they, have, they were convicted. Now, listen to me. I want you to understand this. Our Lord is not saying that we are not to judge. We're about to get to a text that is taken out of context a lot of times in this world. The, what God is saying, he is not saying we are not to judge. He is not saying that sin ought not be punished. But what he does say, verse number 7, so when they continue to ask him, so, so he's riding in the dirt, and they keep saying, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? They keep bothering him. Here's what he said. He lifted up himself, verse nine, 7, verse 7, and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I'm preaching on casting the first stone this morning. I forgot to give you my title, casting the first stone. But here's what he does say. He's not saying she ought not be judged. And watch this, watch this, listen to this is where it's misconstrued. He did not say that people can only judge if they have never, ever sinned. That's not what he said. We take this, and this is one of the most popular verses quoted. This and Matthew 7, we're going to look at Matthew 7 in just a minute, are the two most popular subject or texts. It's the only Bible verse some people know. The lost world, they'll say, well, let him that is without sin cast the first song. And they mean, they say, well, if you've never, ever sinned, you can't, you can't judge. Then you can judge me. But that's not what he said. Here's what he says. He does not say, let him who has never sinned cast the first stone. Look at your King James Bible now. He that is without sin among you. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. You're not fit to pass judgment on someone else when you have the same kind of sin in your own heart. You've got it right now. It's with you right now. It, he said without sin. He said if you don't have no sin in you right now. The Old Testament law. I talked about Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It required when a person was going to be stoned. Now listen what stone is. stoning is just what you think it is. It is throwing rocks and stones on someone until they die. Okay. And if you were going to do that. You had to be a witness of what happened. And you had to be free from the same sin. You could not be guilty of the same sin that they that you were the same crime, the same sin that you were trying to judge. And here's what Jesus is saying: All he's doing, he's not requiring perfection, because then there'd never be any judgment for anything. But what he is doing, he's he's disallowing hypocrisy. These people are filled with hypocrisy, and Jesus knows it. He knows they're a hypocrite. And the corresponding scriptures here, and I don't, because of the sake of time, I'm not going to read them this morning, but Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, you can read that, and the Bible says, Judge not, let ye be judged. For what with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. He's saying this, you judging her from adultery, do you have adultery in your heart? See, he'd already preached the message that when you lust after a woman in your eyes, when you look at a woman to lust after her, you've got adultery in your heart. You're without sin right now? Then you throw the first stone. And he says this in Matthew 7, And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why? Beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in thine own eye. Here's what he's saying. What are you looking for the sawdust in somebody else's eye when you've got a saw log in your own eye? 
How are you going to get saved? He says, this, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. He doesn't say you can't deal with the moat in your brother's eye. He said, you've got to take care of that beam that's in your eye first. He's not saying don't get the moat out. He's just saying don't try to do it when you've got a cross beam in your eye. Don't be a hypocrite. Here's what he's saying. You can't judge and you should not judge and you must not judge hypocritically or unrighteous judgment. If you remember back in chapter 7, that's what he said in verse 24. He told those men to judge, not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That's what he said in verse 24 of chapter 7. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Here's what God knows. Here's what Jesus knows about these men. This is just a lynching party. Their motive, their method in their hearts, they were just wanting to get him on the cross, get him killed somehow. And here's what, they, and here's what he's saying. You need to put down your rocks and get your heart right. Now, the Bible says we're to judge. Righteous Judgment, but the Bible is clearly, and God is showing, Jesus is saying it again, he is clearly against the hypocrisy that's being practiced in that day. And that same hypocrisy that's that day, they got grandchildren. Huh? In the same hour that we're in today, there's still the same hypocrisy, and we all must guard ourselves from it. Every one of us have to guard ourselves from that accusation, that, that confrontation Here's what, here's what that confrontation is. The Lord just took the lid off and showed these Pharisees, you're not fit to judge. You're not the jury. You're not the executor. He's not condoning adultery. And he's not condemning judgment. He's condemning hypocrisy. The confrontation, but lastly, and I'm done, the transformation. I told you it's going to get sweet. Verse number 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Listen, Jesus did not condone this sin, but Jesus conquered this sin. Jesus forgave and he cleansed this sinful woman. Hey, he didn't condone it, but listen, he, he transformed her life. And my friend, you may not have adultery in your life, but you may have sin in your life. You may have some past in your life. You may have something that God would say, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin. But the same way that he transformed this woman is the same way he transformed me and he's the same way he's transformed anybody that's been saved by his grace and it's the same way that he can transform you this morning this transformation uh, took place what Jesus did in the heart and the life of this woman he can do it in your life and I believe this when this episode ends this woman's got a new life why? because she's got a new Lord and let me tell you how she was transformed number one she was transformed by grace amen 
transformed by grace. And grace can never be offered until the law is established. She was under condemnation. She was guilty. She knew she was wrong. She deserved the law of Moses. She deserved to be stoned. The law said condemnation condemned. Condemned, condemned. And my friend, had listen, had Jesus not stepped in, had the giver of grace not stepped in, she would have died in her sin. And she would have died for her sin. But my friend, grace, grace, God's amazing grace stooped in on her life and did not give her what she deserved. My friend, somebody said God is fair. No, God is not fair. He is just. If you think God's fair, you're going to think God owes you something and you're not going to be satisfied with it when you get it. If you think God's fair, you think you deserve something from God and you still won't be happy. Why? Because somebody else is going to get more than you give and you wouldn't have been happy if somebody got it before you got it. But when you realize God is just and God is holy and you're then you're ready for mercy. Then you're ready for grace. When you realize God ought to kill me the wages of sin is death. The law of Moses is right. Then grace can step in your life. Thank God you're ready for the grace of God. And this woman was ready for the grace of God. And listen, when justice was established, then grace was extended. Moses is right. The wages of sin is death. But here, the grace of God, her transformation was by grace. Your transformation will be by grace. And my friend, if you think you deserve it, you don't have grace. If you think you're holy, then you don't have grace. If you think you haven't lived a bad life, then you don't have grace. You must see yourself like this woman sees. She is condemned. She is guilty. She ought to die. But the giver of grace stepped in her life. Transformation is by grace. But watch this transformation through faith. By grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. How do you know that? Look what she said. Verse number, I like these words. They don't scare me. Verse number 11, she said, no man, Lord. (laughs) What about that? No man, Lord. Lord. You know what happened? You know what the Bible said? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. My friend, her confession of his Lordship meant that she was now yielding her life to him. You know what she realized? I believe uh, if anybody can throw a stone at me, it's this man. If anybody can kill me, it's this man. You're Lord and you do with me what you, I just got to imagine in my little imagination. Uh, she was kneeled down and she said, no ma'am, but you Lord, you're the only one left. Uh, you're the only one that didn't walk away. You're the only one that can throw a stone and you can kill me. Whatever you do with me, I'm yours Lord. No man, Lord. Uh, you're my Lord. Uh, she yielded herself in the hand of Almighty God. And my friend, that's what faith is. is yielding yourself in the Almighty hand of God. Abandoning yourself on the grace of God. Uh, through faith. Uh, believing God uh, can and will uh, save you. And that's what she did that day. Uh, she was transformed by faith. Uh, she became his servant and he became her master and that's what the word Lord means it was by grace it was through faith but watch this she was transformed unto good works the Bible says for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God watch this not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto Good works. Notice what Jesus says to her, and I'm I'm almost finished. Look at what he says in verse number eleven. No man, she said, No man, Lord. 
And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Look what she said, what he said. He said, The Son of Man came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's a good memory verse. I'm glad you know John 3.16, but learn verse 17 too. Amen. John 3.17, for, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here's what he says, I've got the power to condemn you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I come to save you. And watch what he said now. Go and sin. He recognized her sin. Didn't he? Go and sin no more. Listen, some people, some people try to scratch out the no, and they'd say, they try to put in some. Go and sin some more. Well, some, some people may not do it in their Bible, they do it in their life. Well, I'm saved now. All my, all my future sins are, are forgiven. Hallelujah, I can go live like I want to. Guess what? You can get saved. Amen? By grace through faith unto good works. Here's what happens when you get saved. He radically, drastically changes your life the one who gave the law through Moses and now the one who is the master of the law extended grace to this woman and the same way she was transformed is the same way that you can be transformed Brother Tim if you come play softly this morning I preached I preached long and hard on the sin of adultery and there may be some in here and I have no doubt in my mind there's some because of of what Jesus said about it. It's something that need to clean up what you're seeing, what you're watching, what you're looking at. Some of your parents need to get back, you need to get back stricter about how you're letting these kids have access to this internet. They can't, you can't handle it, much less these teenagers. You can't handle it. And there's not an adult male in here. I'm just going to say it like I want to say it. There, if you're an adult man and you think you can look at that stuff and it bother you, bother, bother you it's because you're a flaming sodomite and you need to get saved. Amen. Or, you're, or something else is wrong. Are you listening to me? You can't handle that stuff. These young people can't handle that stuff. And these girls can't handle that stuff. You women can't handle that stuff. But you know what? I made, I made, made a big deal about that, but watch this. Sin, sin. And that may not be the sin you're dealing with. But there's some sin in your life, you need to get right with God. You know, how do I get right with God? By grace, through faith, under good works. It's the same way. The same way this woman's life was transformed, your life can be transformed. And it'll be by the same person <laughs> that this woman's life was transformed that you'll be transformed. Now you say this, preacher, I know I'm saved by grace through faith. But what about them good works? They're not going to save you. They're not going to make you more saved. But having sin, unconfessed sin in your life, that's what Jesus was saying to these men. It wasn't that they had, if you had ever sinned, you can't throw a stone. And matter of fact, that, by the way, and I, that he made his choice right there. He was going to follow the law of God. That's what he said. If you, got, if you don't have sin in your life, if you're without sin right now, cast it. He wasn't saying if you hadn't never sinned. He was saying if you don't have it in your life right now, without sin. Here's why. Because when you've got sin in your life that's unconfessed, 
there's a broken fellowship between you and God. You're saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Can't lose it. Praise God. No, you can't. Thank God. But you can break that fellowship with God. Just like you can break fellowship with your natural family. And let me, let me just say this. When you got sin in your life, usually those spiritual authorities in your life can figure it out pretty quick. Mom and daddy, pastor, those that are pouring in your spiritual life, I can tell when these young people get in sin. They avoid me. Now some of, all of them be shaking my hand today, watch. Good, hallelujah, I've been missing some of that. Amen, I like talking to y'all. But it ain't just young people, adults too. People that are spiritually watching over your soul, they start seeing that. But watch this. It's worse than being in fellowship, breaking fellowship with mom and daddy. It's worse than breaking fellowship with preacher. When you got unconfessed sin in your life, you are breaking fellowship with God. And you want to be happy. And you know what? God's, God's concerned about your happiness. But your happiness has always got to be tied to holiness. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So you wonder why there's something missing in your life. You know you're saved. I know I am. By the word of God, by, I know that I'm saved, but there's just something missing. Maybe it's some unconfessed sin in your life. And, and, and it has to be. You must get it right with God. You must get it right with God. But there might be somebody else you need to get it right with. And sometimes we push that a little bit more than getting right with God. But it does take both. If that sin has hurt someone else, if that sin has caused someone else to stumble or has, has harmed someone else, you've got to get right with God first, but then you've got to get right with that person. And I'll say this, if you're not saved this morning, today would be a good day for you to be saved. Your life could be transformed by the grace of God. Will you do business with God? I'll say this, we all need to examine our lives, examine ourselves. Is there anything that's unconfessed in your life? Any sin that you've got that's not confessed to the Lord this morning? That you need to confess to Him and forsake? Maybe a sin of commission. You did something you weren't supposed to do. Maybe it's a sin of omission. There was something you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. You say, well, I, I do, but I'm not coming to that altar. Well, you can make that seed to altar. I'm not even going to act like I'm praying because somebody might think I'm I wouldn't let my pride hinder my fellowship with God pride goes before fall y'all it always goes before destruction how about it this morning 